Blog Talk Radio. I really kind of don't. 
kind of been a really, you know, even though it's been good for me, it's kind of been sad. Last week, I lost one of my friends, and I was like, wow. You know, he's been sick for a couple weeks. He had um, COVID. And, man, I mean, you know, young, uh, we we both grew up together, grew up, you know, our families, my mom, my uh, grandmother was close to his family, and it's like my grandmother's second family, and, you know, they have a musical family too, so, you know, and I remember I went to one of my, when I went to auditioning for X Factor, like my audition I didn't make, I made, made it in Texas, but in Kansas City, yeah, I got cut like the first round, <laughs> but he went with me to that, you know, and cheered me on, he auditioned too, and yeah, it's just, and, you know, we've been friends, I mean, I, and like family, and so it's very sad for me, I, you know, yeah, so, that's been kind of the week, you know. I, you know, it, we we kind of knew he was really sick, but you know, it was just like, wow, everything happens so fast, right? Death. It is. It is the one thing. It why it is a train. It can death can act to. Death, death comes to greet us in you know in many different ways. It could be a great transporter after you have finished and done what you have done, or it could be a a shock. It's, it's just all kind of things spiritually. But one thing I feel the human experience should never get used to is I don't know death. I don't you know, and it's I always think I, I don't think of it as a death, especially for. Someone like my friend Terrence, which you, who we used to call Dinky, and you know I knew he knew the Lord and he loved the Lord, and so it is. You know I I I am uh, I think of it as uh, he is gone on his uh, on his eternal journey. You know what I'm saying? They said the Bible says to be absent with the um, to be absent in the body is to be home with the Lord, right? And so I think of it as that. I don't see it as, um, you know, the final thing. You know, what, you know. I feel like it's a, a tra- these bodies only uh, go for so long, right? And um, let me see. What else do I want to say to you guys? It is important to just, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think it was my, it's a word, about your eternal journey to understand, you know, that we all have a destination point, whether you, you know, uh, believe in, uh, even if you, if you know, if you, the Christianity and if the Christian faith, there is a belief that, you know, there's a, there's a belief that everybody won't die because people have to be raptured out, right? Because if you know the story about the end times and everything like that, you, the Bible, Paul said, we shall not all uh, uh, he let me show you a mystery that uh, everyone wouldn't, uh, every person wouldn't see death or sleep, right? So, um, 
interesting. I, that's, some, that's something I'll have to explain to you guys one day. We'll talk about maybe the end times or have an end time chat on here. But uh, whatever the destination is, whether it's the rapture or your destination is or you go out through death or whatever, know that every day, I talked about this, is important standing why you are here. And I'm going to tell you something. We have a culture. And that's why I come, so I talk about celebrities on here, and I have fun about it and everything, and I tease and everything, and I do a lot of stuff. Some celebrities I admire, some celebrities I think are shitty. <laughs> but here's the thing, what I, why I do discuss sometimes a lot of the pop culture things and everything like that, because we live in a world that will tell you that what is wrong is right and what is right is wrong. We live in a world where people will try to degrade you based on how much money you have. Like, you know, people think that success, worldly success, is a sign of a successful life. And there have been so many people who have had worldly success that we have seen gone the way, you know, commit suicide, all kind of things, okay? So success isn't just about worldly success or about all the things that we can accumulate and how the things that we can get, but it's really about our spiritual journey here on earth, how we develop, how we get to know uh, the creator and what he has for us in this life. It's not all this this stuff that they make it out to be. And I love, I love to talk about celebrity culture and everything like that here. But the reason I try to deflate it sometimes, too, because I want us to see sometimes what's really important, okay? So I may poke at people and have fun and stuff like that, but at the same time, I do hope that you guys get that. Even when I talk about celebrity culture, even when I do a celebrity gossip news, whatever, I hope you understand that in behind everything, I am kind of giving to you some form of purpose or some, even if I'm using them or as an example or myself or someone else. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I hope you get that, right? And and to help you understand that, it's, that the journey isn't just about acute, you know what I'm saying? I like things too. I'm, I'm a love, I love things. I'm a, hey, I like money. <laughs> I like it all, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I want us to understand that our spiritual journeys are more important than anything. I've said this before on the show. Uh, I've met some of the most successful people I have met in, uh, in life weren't very successful materially. They weren't. You know what I'm saying? Don't understand why all the time and everything like that, but they just weren't. You know, my spiritual mom... I miss to this day She was so powerful in God But she wasn't uh, successful financially You know what I'm saying She was comfortable She was deep But she wasn't successful She, you know And I remember her catching the bus everywhere She'd be ministering to people on the bus stops And everything She just, But she was one She was successful in life It don't matter how much you got It don't matter how much you got to do Sometimes people are busy doing nothing, right? But it matters that what you do. There's a song that I used to love by the Williams Brothers, and I can't think of what the name of it. It's, it's called uh, uh, A House 
is, uh, is, uh, is something. Uh, it, it, it was, I can't remember the word. It's, I can't remember the words to it, but it was. It's about about that everything you do is in vain if it's really not for for God or for spiritual purposes or for growth or for what God. If God builds, if God doesn't build the house, you labor in vain, right? And so all of us are here, and how many of us, we built things, I've built things that haven't been God, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We Sometimes we build things that are not always spiritual, but we have to understand that the things that are going to matter the most, the things that matter the most in our lifetime, in our lifespan, are the spiritual things that we build up. You know what I'm saying? The spiritual, uh, the things that we build up in our quest to know our divinity, our divinity in the human spirit, what humanity, God meant humanity to be, okay? And I know we all have challenges in that, and we all, <coughs> excuse me, we all grow in those, you know, in those challenges and fight through those challenges, but I, that's really what I want to say to you guys tonight, you know, uh that that's the most important thing, you know what I'm saying? The most important thing because in the end, when um, whatever when when the end of our lives or however our life span, whether we go rapture, trans, uh, death, whatever, but the end of your life to know that you have completed your spiritual destination, your spiritual journey here on earth, your humanity. Uh, journey in a way where you grew and you and you grew out of your humanity because you know that's what that's what eternity is when you go into you're growing out of your humanity or you're being snatched out of your humanity even without growth okay and you don't want that <laughs> but what I'm saying is hopefully our our that we all grow in our humanity and grow out of it into a spiritual being that uh that's worthy of worthy of meeting our creator. I hope you get what I'm saying. I I hope you guys get what I'm saying. I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. And I think about that, you know, because life I talked about a few weeks ago the brevity of it. The shortness of it, the longness of it. All of it, you know what I'm saying? It, Whatever you think you're going through today, whatever seems hard, whatever seems not so, uh, you know, challenging or something, remember that somebody did not get up. Somebody doesn't have another day to live out this beautiful journey of human experience. But you got it. Whether it's full of troubles, whether it's full, whether you know, and you know, I was thinking just the, the other day. This is kind of, kind of, I guess it's a sidebar. I don't know really, but the other day I was thinking because I was having, I was having some drama in my head about something. I was like, oh, this is going on. Why something really good is going on? And I can't understand what's going on. <laughs> and I get emotional like that. I'm a Scorpio, so I was like, I can't understand. <laughs> What's going on? And I just really felt like I heard the voice of God say to me, that's life. One moment that you, you can be having something good at the same time when things are going terribly wrong in your life, right? 
life comes in waves and different things and different moments and different chances. But the whole thing is it is a beautiful journey. And I just don't want you, I just, this is what I say to all of us, and include myself included, that we experience this journey in the greatest way we can. You know what I'm saying? In the greatest, most authentic way we can. Because everybody is not going to get to do, you know what I'm saying, is not here today to experience with you. Eat the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Thank God you're here to see and touch and feel and talk. You get to live another day of your journey. You know what I'm saying? That's a beautiful thing. It's a blessing. And one day when your journey is complete, you'll be hopefully you'll be ready to go, right? And the human experience, you'll go into the realm of eternity, okay? But until then, enjoy it. Enjoy it, love it, embrace it, even when things are going wrong or when things are not so right, because the blessing is is that you're here, okay? You are here. So, it's a lot of death this week. A couple of my stories start, you know, I'm going to talk about it because a lot of so, so a couple of celebrities passed away. I was shocked today to hear about uh, the young man from The Wire. I mean, a really great actor. I mean, uh, when he, you know, he was one of those guys, uh, Michael K. Williams. When he would come on the screen, he was so intense. I mean, even if his character was in something for a few minutes. Like, he brought such intensity and fire to his role. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago on the show, and I talked about how actors, you know, they they appreciate the moment. Even if you're just a flower girl or something like that, you want to do it to the best of your ability, like in a show or something, and you can actually steal a show, with, you know, how, if you do one good scene. And he was one of those type of actors to me that he was a guy that he could steal the moment. Like, he was so intense. His energy was he could come on the screen and you could feel him coming onto the screen. You could feel his presence, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Man, so sad. Rest in peace. I mean, uh, they say and they found him, I think today, in his living room. we don't know the reasons he passed away, but, you know, they were, listen, this week has been a thing about this drug thing. I don't know what y'all fucking with out there. I ain't saying that see, he died of an overdose. I don't know. They haven't said, but they were saying, the TMZ thing was saying that it was some drug paraphernalia nearby, okay? Just this week there was a party in L.A., a comedian and I think his girlfriend, and six, it was like four or five people had overdoses. I think a few of them died including this comedian. One was in critical condition or something, and I'm going to talk about that a little later on the show. I don't know what y'all messing with out in these damn streets, okay? But y'all better calm down because these people, people they they giving out some shit that's, you know, that will kill your ass, okay? And listen, I, I don't know. You don't want to go into the eternal realm in that kind of way, okay? That's why I just, in a shock, in a, you know what I'm saying? 
Listen, spiritual. I, I I know sometimes life is tough. And hell, some people, y'all, everybody needs help with something. If you got a drug problem or whatever problem, go get some help. I know it's gonna be hard to kick that uh, that shit. I'm serious. I know, but listen, no, don't let an addiction steal your life force. And I don't know that's if this is the case for this young man. I don't know what happened. But I know it did happen with a few other people this week, and I'm going to talk about it a little later on the show. But don't let stuff steal, steal your life force. You in the here and now. But you believe, I don't know if past life, future life, whatever, but you right here. And this is the life you got right now. And don't let, it's precious. Don't let nobody steal it. Don't let nobody, nobody take it from you. Oh, something that's crazy is dope. I'm serious, for real. Y'all get, it's, it's scary out in these streets, okay? So I just really wanted to say that. But when I come back, we're going to get into these this news out in this street, out in these streets, okay? It's a lot of news. Oh, it's, oh, wait a minute, hold on. Y'all think I forgot? Beehive, did you think I forgot? No, I did not. Happy birthday. Is it our 45th? 47? <laughs> They're like, they like, Carlotta, can you be nice for Beyonce's 40th birthday? Oh, it's her 40th. Is that showbiz age or 41, 40? Is that, or is that her real age? No. <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. Shit, I just love to be Happy 40th birthday. Beyonce's 40th birthday was September the 4th. Happy 40th birthday to Beyonce. Welcome to the 40s, girl. The 40s are dope, okay? I'll tell you that right now. I don't know if you've been here for a while or not, but, you know, some people say you have. But if you haven't, welcome. <laughs> I'm on my way out in a couple of years. I'll be in the 50s. But it's all good. <laughs> welcome to the 40s. The 40s is a party, girl. It's a party. And you know what? I may pay school in life because you know how I love school in life. That's my theme song. Y'all, I know y'all don't believe. Y'all go. Listen, I know I have this love-hate thing about Beyonce, but guess what? I, my theme song, one of the songs I do like from her, I like Love on Top, too, but one of the, 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 the dope songs I really like from her is School in Life. That's my theme song. I say it's my, one of my theme songs in life, School in Life, okay? So I may play that for her birthday today, just for the B.I. <laughs> I may be nice today, too. It may, I may be. We'll see. <laughs> we need to break the ice. Okay, so when I come back, we're going to get uh, talking about, get about the news. Okay, let's see. We got, oh, Tasha K. If you guys have not seen this interview Tasha K did with one of R. Kelly's staff this week, who's been there having people in the courtroom and stuff, listening, listen, y'all might change y'all mind about R. Kelly when y'all hear this. I mean, in terms of what happened to R. Kelly. And I've been saying this for a long time, and people have been thinking I've been trying to take it for him. But the, the thing is, is that, you know, People are innocent until proven guilty. And sometimes if people do one wrong thing in their life or a couple wrong things, people are ready to put a whole host of shit on them, okay? I'm not saying Art Robert don't have no problems out in these streets. I'm just saying it's a very interesting interview to listen to. This lady breaks down the law and stuff, talks about the um, – she talks about what was been going on in the court, in the case, and how the prosecution and the defense have both been playing up different things she said, she's, from her point of view, a number of witnesses have been caught in lies, you know, because a number of these women allegedly 
lied about their ages to get to our Kelly. Which I talked about one of them. One of them was on the documentary saying she was lying. Crazy-ish, okay? Crazy, all right? And that's why I say with celebrity that I, you know what I'm saying? And listen, let me talk about celebrities for a minute. You know, they'll shun your ass. They'll all shun, like Michael Jackson. You know, everybody want to talk, love Michael Jackson now. But when Michael Jackson was in that courtroom every day when nobody, nobody there, nobody there, when none of them none of them celebrities hardly coming around, they asses always ghosts except for Eddie Griffin and the Jacksons. <laughs> the Jacksons need to make Eddie Griffin one of their family members. Eddie Griffin and the Jacksons was the only people that was everybody else was hiding and running away from. So you can't say nothing. You can't think nothing when celebrities don't hang around because they scared. But what he's going to, through, I don't know if it, I won't say it's as equivalent to, as Michael because I feel like Michael was totally railroaded. I mean, what they did to Michael Jackson was hideous. Uh, but. People, I, I, I'm not, I don't go, I, I'm not surprised that people are shunning R. Kelly and everything because, and a lot of people may know, like, you know, yeah, you know, some of that is crazy. Because some of the, you know, they know how crazy those rock star lifestyles can get and everything. So it's interesting to hear this woman's take on the court case and everything. And it may change your mind and change your ideas surrounding the R. Kelly trials and a lot of them that's been put out here. You know, the news media, you got to be careful with them because they love the salacious, salacious sales, guilt sales. That's one of the things when I love, one of my favorite interviews I ever did on here was with Aphrodite Jones, who does, you know, used to do crime stories and all that stuff. And Aphrodite did not believe, uh, she didn't believe that, Michael Jackson was innocent. She went, she actually went out to prove that Michael Jackson was guilty, and in her in her quest, she found out that Michael Jackson was innocent. And she started talking to a lot of her friends in the media, and all this stuff. And you know, and um, and that wasn't Jones. What was her name? Uh, I don't know. Why I said her name wrong, but um, she started talking to a lot of her friends in the media, and she started finding out uh, that. Um, a lot of them knew that the stuff was wrong with these cases. Like, they would know. But they would tell her all the time, well, the news isn't, I mean, the, the ratings isn't made in, the, um, in his innocence. It's in the guilt. That's where we make our money. That's where we sell. So we have to approach it from a guilty, you know what I'm saying, Like he's, because they sell the salacious. Right? So, um I, I learned a lot from when she said that because that's that that is really uh, what a lot of them. Uh, yes, Aphrodite, Aphrodite Jones, true true crime. She used to host and she used to also have another crime show. But listen, she told the truth. She talked about how they the press would never report on things, and so that's why so many people were shocked when Michael Jackson got found not guilty. But they didn't understand in the courtroom. A lot of the witnesses were a hot mess. It was all kind of bullshit going on, and the, the, the victims, alleged victims, and stuff like that. 
and the press wasn't reporting that. They was pre- reporting on all the salacious stuff. They pick out, well, today in a testimony, uh, a little boy said he looked at his penis, Michael's penis, and Michael, you know, something crazy. They wouldn't put that, oh, that somebody was discredited or anything like that. They just sell the salacious headlines. And I think they're doing that to Robert, okay? So, you know, sad. I'm not saying Robert's innocent, but I'm saying they are making a mockery out of the justice system and all kinds of things with people who really can't be proven, you know, we can't find, because, you know, we can't, some some of the cases doesn't sound very credible, okay? Uh, but we'll keep an eye on that, but please go check that interview out. I think Tasha King did a really good job on that, so uh, check it out, uh, I think this week on YouTube with the R. Kelly staff, okay? Okay. Oh, I haven't got to watch any reality shows. I'm still, I've been watching Power 3, Kanan stuff and all that. Um, I might talk about that another week. But I'm going to watch Billions tonight. That's another reason why I want to try to get out with y'all. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> but when I come back, we're going to get into this abortion law in Texas. Okay, we're going to talk about the comedian who passed away this week. We're going to talk about Auntie Anita getting her master's. Y'all remember when I went off with Auntie Anita? Mm-hmm. I had to think about it this week. Yeah, like Carlotta, don't you feel? See, look, everybody did. Uh, 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 look, you was wrong. People did stop streaming her her music. But if they streaming it in the first place is the question. I think Anita got one over on us. <laughs> yeah, y'all gotta say what you mean. I mean, I have heard more Anita Baker this week. Turn on the radio when I get a car. Everything that I've ever heard in my life. And then I thought about this shit. I had to think about it. That's the way Because, you know, I thought about her coming on the Twitter. And, you know, when she was on Twitter and she started, you know, I thought it was strange because I'm like, you know, her crowd isn't like the Twitter crowd, right? And she's asking people not to stream her songs. I'm like, mm, that sounds, I mean, Nita, they ain't going to pay no attention to not streaming. Yo, like, it ain't going to stop and say, oh, that's Nita Baker. Young people don't got that great of attention span. And a lot of the old people don't, they stream, but not like that. Right, they still playing they CDs and records and stuff like that. Her crap. So I was kind of figuring, trying to see, see who her audience was. And I was like, who the fuck? Cause she, you gonna have to get out here to promote to these kids. Like you can't be talking about you retired. Your ass gonna have to get out here in some concerts and get back to you know shape and get around here singing and performing and all of that to get these kids on your side, right? But then I had to think about this week. I had to think about when I saw all the music playing suddenly, and I said, wait a minute. Was that a part of the scheme? <laughs> Did Anita ask y'all to play her music because if I wasn't, y'all wasn't streaming it anyway? <laughs> like that? But when they got, when she, and she, she started a, a campaign that really wasn't a campaign, <laughs> so that when she did get her master's back, y'all streamed the hell out that shit? Because what I know is none of you little young kids stopped streaming or even probably started streaming the Nita Baker shit, okay? So I'm wondering, that's why I said I'd like to see the numbers on that. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more when I get back on the show. Plus, uh, I told you how Texas politics would change. We're going to talk about Texas politics uh, changing, how Greg 
Abbott's approval ratings are plummeting, okay? And uh, we'll talk about uh, Illinois giving five, giving kids anxiety days. <laughs> Too much recess out in these streets, what y'all, <laughs> what y'all ages are about? <laughs> That's like the quiet rooms at the, uh, what is it, French Open or whatever. And then we got to talk about Naomi Osaka. Did Naomi break down? She got her ass handed to her, but she broke the fuck down, okay? Now, listen, y'all like, Court, you don't have no empathy. I heard somebody wrote, somebody, <laughs> I got empathy, but I'm a realist out in these streets. And she shouldn't have had her ass back out there, but I understand it's a lot of money behind her. they like, get your ass back out there and play tennis. Okay, but we're going to talk about that, too. We got, we got so much to talk about, okay? Hopefully we get out to it, all right? When I get back in a moment, meanwhile, let's start off. Listen, my favorite, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Janet Jackson songs is this is uh, the song Janet has called uh, uh, Together Again. <laughs> and, she, and, she, and this song, is she, is, she always dedicates in concert to her, to her friends that have passed on, who, that she has, you know, she's lost. So it's such a beautiful song to me to uh, for uh, people, loved ones you've lost or people you've lost. And this goes out to my friend Terrence, rest in peace, rest in power. Together again, Janet Jackson, it is the CC Show. We'll be back in a minute. Oh, we got to talk about Janet's documentary coming out. Oh, I haven't forgot about that either. Oh, my goodness, we got so much to talk about. It. Okay, we'll be back in a moment. Forget my baby 
Yeah, like, Carlotta, are you bipolar when it comes to Beyonce? A little. <laughs> you know what? I do love School of Life. School of Life is my song. I love the words to that. That's, that. that's one of her best songs, okay? Best songs, okay? I love it, all right? Yes, okay. Beyonce, School of Life. We are back on the CC show, and we got to get into these, this news in these streets. It's a lot of news, Okay. I'm not going to talk about Basquiat's friends, not like it, not yet. Talking about he wouldn't have liked the, you know, he wouldn't have liked the painting. <laughs> it's our birthday. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll, I'll do one story, but I won't do it yet. I'll wait until later on. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be so nice. <laughs> <sighs> Y'all kids is getting anxiety days. Damn. <laughs> Illinois is fighting anxiety crisis by giving students five mental health days a year. Damn. There's a mental crisis among America's youth. Major depression in adolescence is up 47%. You think COVID died here in these streets. They just had a year, a summer of riots last summer, all kind of things happening. I'm sure the kitties are upset, okay? They're looking at, like, end time stuff going on. Yeah, they're anxious, okay? Uh, it says um, for, it's, up 40, for, uh, it's up 47% for boys, 65% for girls since 2013, and suicide has increased a staggering 56% from 2007 to 2017, according to the National Federation of State High Schools, okay? Experts have yet to pin down specific causes of this crisis, but it's believed that increased pressure to succeed, unrealistic expectations caused by social media and technology's effect on how humans connect may be a contributing factor. Most experts would agree with me that there is more stress today than in previous generations. Stress, you think? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Growing up in the crack uh, uh, epidemic was stressful as fuck. <laughs> I just, sure. You know what? It is? I'm, I'm going to get on in a minute. Hold on. We'll talk about it. But most of this is stress triggers depression and mood uh, disorders. So those who are predisposed to it by the creative wiring or genes are pretty much guaranteed some symptoms of depression at the income, at the confusing and difficult time of adolescence, Teresa J. Borchert, author of Beyond the Blue, says, I think modern lifestyles, lack of community and family support, less exercise, no casual and unstructured technology, free play, less sunshine and more computer factors into the equation. I can agree with her on that, Borchert continues. On top of the societal factors that have led to a decade-plus decline in mental health, the COVID-19 pandemic has also been hard on American youth. So they saying to help children and teens better cope with the increased stress in their lives, the state of Illinois is now allowing students to take up to five mental health days per year without a doctor's note, okay? The new law was signed into law by Governor J.B. Pritzker, uh, Pritzker, Pritzker last week. The bill passed the Illinois House of Senate unanimously. unanimously. <laughs> Unanimously, I can't talk today. Illinois now joins Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Maine, Nevada, Oregon, and Virginia on the growing states in 
a growing list of states that have passed similar bills. The new law is a big step towards removing the stigma surrounding mental health by making it as important as students' physical well-being. Okay. I laughed and joked about this, but I think mental health days are good. I actually don't think they need to sign it into law. I think this is something that parents need to mandate and stuff like that. When I was young, my grandma used to let me take a day or two out. I mean, she did. She did. <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't, you know what I think is going on? This is a very, this generation, I agree with what that lady said. We're, we're living in an age of, of where there is a lack of community. Uh, there is this unrealistic expectations put on women, men, boys, girls to be something. I mean, you know, you know, even I can feel it, right? You know, uh, there are all these expectations put on people in this society today, and you know, the very uh, real influence of celebrity culture, which is a lot of falsity and hype. Uh, but it is still there, and it creates a lot for kids in this day and time, right? You know what I'm saying? And plus, I do believe that we're coddling kids a little bit more, you know, too much so. You know, because sometimes we don't, we, it's like I feel like there's a lot of a lot of people have worked hard to not give their kids, oh, I don't want them to do what I went through and this and that, but instead you've created a sense of, you create a little bit more weaker vessels, right? You know what I'm saying? Like by not having structure for your children or not having uh, uh, things that you got to do, not allowing them to get a job, <laughs> not allowing the certain shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about it, though. Kids can stay on their insurance now to 26 years old. It's like there is no incentive in adulthood almost. You know what I'm saying? So I... I understand the energy, I think, that is surrounding um, kids today and surrounding this generation that we have. And they have, you know, the excuses they use now. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not trying to be funny and stuff, but saying, you know, I, I, I got anxiety. And, I, and I'm not knocking anxiety, but it'd be, it be for, like, crazy stuff, like little stuff. And, and and I believe their anxiety is very real. But the scary part is they can't function in things that are somewhat kind of a little like maybe easy. That might take an extra push because people have been coddling. It's just like when you were a kid, when you, if you, I don't know if you've ever babysitted before or something like that, you know. Uh, one of the things, if you ever with the older people, they used to tell you, you know, I, I remember my little cousin Kenya. I had my little cousin Kenya when she was a baby for a little while. And I remember my grandma used to always say, you better put her down and make sure she get a bedtime because she'll be up crying if you keep, every time you she put her down, she'll start crying and everything. So you had to, you know, I had to like, hey, let her let her get put down. Sometimes I had to put her down, let her take her little butt to sleep. And she'd be hollering, but sometimes I had to let her holler because, <laughs> because if I kept picking her up, she wasn't going to get used, she wasn't going to get used to being laying there by herself or laying, you know, or just going to bed when you should go to bed, right? I think that's that this generation y'all carried them around too long. Like y'all y'all coddled them too now. Now when every time you try to lay them down, they go, ah! 
you know, and they, I saw, this is what I think that we've got, we've got a generation that, and, and listen, that doesn't mean it wasn't happening in our generation, it was just at a lesser rate. I'm just saying that we've now got a generation of young people who have been held too much. They didn't have structure. They weren't taught to, uh, that nobody, everybody's not gonna pick you up when you cry. <laughs> everybody's not going to, uh, uh, you know, coddle you in life. And so now they're creating a society that coddles them. And they're saying, and the excuse they're using is because they're crying when they somebody put them down, I got anxiety. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so <clears throat> we're creating, uh, <clears throat> not that something, excuse me, aren't good, because some things are good, but we're creating a society that is, Carrying them, we're carrying them. We're, we're not putting them down and allowing them to just cry and go through some hard shit. You know what I'm saying? Like to just go through it. And I think that is what is happening today to young people. And even though I, I kind of like the them having days off or whatever, but I actually feel also this is a part of the coddling. Of a society, of a of a generation that has already been introduced to extreme narcissism, right? Even myself, you know what I'm saying. I can feel sometimes I be looking in my mirror, trying to get myself like taking pictures on my phone, trying to get a perfect picture. You know, all this. You can feel it's just a different kind of energy. So I can imagine how they feel in their time, right? You know what I'm saying. So it's like we're coddling. Uh, bad behavior or behavior that where they need to learn to be strong, right? So, uh, yeah, that's my opinion. And some people, <clears throat> some people think I'm trying to be mean when I say, you know what I'm saying, uh, tell some people, you know, uh, you know, they think I'm trying to be mean to get, but that's because you, you we, I think a lot of us, have, we're used to, because there's this, this thing in society now that does not want you to uh, let people know, like help people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, back in the day, you know, they tell you, hey, baby, you, you can't be out here in these streets doing that. You're going to get yourself hurt, right? But now you say that to somebody, hey, you need to put that that down, that drug down, them weed, that weed down. It's like, wait a minute, they got anxiety. What are you talking about? You're not being empathetic. <laughs> and you're just trying to stop them from getting hurt. You say, nah, they don't put that damn drug down, and they're going to find their ass dead somewhere or something like that. You know what I'm saying? But today in society, everything is a, a sickness, a disease. A, they don't want you to talk to them a certain way, but some people need some tough love. Not all people, but some people do. And we we kind of eliminated that thing, you know what I'm saying? That <clears throat> that's just a toughness to pass on to uh, people. And you have my throat, <clears throat> but you know, excuse me. But you know, so I just feel like we're cut, we're cuddling a generation, okay? And uh, it's going to be hard times ahead, and they're going to fall apart if you don't start to. Let them experience crying. Let them experience a little bit of toughness. Be there to to pick them up, I mean to help them and to guide them, 
but don't always pick them up and call them because every time you when you try to put them down, they're going to start hollering. Anxiety, you know what I'm saying? So we will talk about this a little bit later on. I'm go, No, I'm going to go right into it. Let's talk about Naomi Osaka this week, okay? I mean, did you see it? Now, I wasn't surprised she had that breakdown. Because it's too soon. you know. And I understand the pressure because she probably don't want to really be playing out there, but it's a lot of money that has gotten behind her. And they probably like, get your ass out there and play some tennis. We expect, we done sold out the, uh, this tennis thing. <laughs> it's like when people got to go to work and they don't want to. <laughs> you can't say that. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People still got to get up. But she, she don't, she... She is not liking the deals that she's made, right? You know what I'm saying? And now, you know, it's hard to – now she realizes she wanted to beat so bad, I believe, to beat Serena. And being, that was her dream, and there's nothing wrong with that. Wanting to compete and be able to beat your idols. But I think that was all it was for her. And now <laughs> she realized how tough they had it. She realized that it wasn't no joke. Be, playing, uh, being a tennis star is no joke. Okay, and there are responsibilities that come with that, and there are people who are depending on you financially. Everything you got to know what you're getting into. I mean, you know, it could break down the toughest people. That's that's facts. This is life. Okay, show business and fame ain't no joke. You know, when I think people need to be the most spiritual, I'm gonna tell you the truth. And sometimes they're not the most spiritual people. But I tell you, the most spiritual people, in my personal opinion, and I see why it's hard to be that in the kind of lifestyles they live, but the most spiritual people have to be famous people because fame is a demon. It's serious. It is a demon if you don't know how to use it. And anybody can get up there and mess up, okay? But... There's this article this week uh, in yeah, from ESPN that says what it was like to watch Naomi Osaka up close during her vexing 2021 Open, U.S. Open, okay? And, you know, they wanted her to be there because, listen, she's probably the draw. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine? You know how many people work? I'm drinking and talking to y'all. Y'all know how messy the show is. But you know how many people are fed off of Naomi Osaka? See, because she is not just. I talked about this last week, okay, when I talked about Beyonce and Jay-Z, because a lot of people's minds be set be crazy about these celebrities and shit. And I be telling y'all, they corporations. They straw men. Beyonce's a straw man, okay? She is a corporation. There are people, when they say Beyonce's almost worth a billion dollars, nah, her corporation is worth that. Okay? So, you know, when Beyonce don't perform, some people don't eat, So it says, Naomi Osaka did not want to be cut off. She did not want to be rescued. Yes, she was crying in her U.S. Open post-match news conference, crying as she struggled to find the right words so she could share what was on her mind. But each time the moderator tried to end it, assuming Osaka didn't want to continue, Osaka overruled him. She was determined to get this out. Recently, when I win, I don't feel happy, Osaka said late Friday night. I only feel relief when I lose. When I lose, I feel very sad, and I don't think that's normal. 
basically I feel like I'm kind of at this point where I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. I honestly don't know what I'm going to play when I'm going to play my next tennis match. I think I'm going to take a break from playing for playing for a while. And I think that's perfect. Because you know when there is so and I know that's hard for her because there are so many I don't you know sometimes there's a what's that part in the uh you know my bible my bible verse me and my bible verse. But there's a point where Jesus is talking to somebody and he says to consider what did Jesus say? What did Jesus, you know? Jesus be saying some wise, some wise, wise things. What did he say? Consider. Uh, trying to think of it, y'all, y'all. I'm trying to look it up. Uh, I can't remember the verse because. Oh, my goodness. Uh, consider the cost when building the house. Like, consider, uh, uh, here it is. Okay, is it Luke 14? Let me see. Uh, I'm trying to find it here for you so I can read you guys. I, I don't want to get, uh, okay, I don't want to mess you guys up. So I, I don't want to give you guys the wrong thing. Okay, it says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Woo! Woo, woo, I needed that for myself. Oh, Lord, let me just take that in for myself. (laughs) Oh, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not sit down and consider the cost. Okay, let me, where's this other part? Uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, did I lose it? Hold on, I'm going to find it again. I lost my verse. Okay, because I got something to say about this, okay? It says, uh, okay, I'm going to put, okay, it says, uh, okay, I read that part, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king uh, going uh, uh, what or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand, and if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends his delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who uh, who does not renounce all that he uh, he has cannot be my disciple, and Jesus is talking about the cost to follow him. Jesus is like it's a cost. Hang out with me. <laughs> you know what? I look. There's a part in the Bible we're talking about. We're talking about death this week, but there's a part in the Bible. Jesus was Jesus would be saying some cold stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. know I'm a cussing, but you know, but I, but I, you know, I love the Word of God. But I tell you this: this Jesus used to say some cold stuff. Like, there's this part in the Bible, this is a sidebar, but she, she, this man wanted to follow Jesus, right? And he said, Jesus, but first, you know, I want to follow you. 
I'm, I'm ready to go with you, but hold up. My dad just died. I need to go bury him. You know what Jesus said? You know, you think Jesus say, yeah. oh, dang, you know, go bury your father. I understand. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. <laughs> Jesus was cold. Jesus was like, hey, you got something to do right now. Then he go. I'm on, I'm on a time top. Let the dead bury the dead. Meaning, Jesus was saying the only the, that your father's not there no more. So only dead people need a, the, the dead only need a funeral. The dead who the lack of who don't understand that he's gone. Let the dead bury the dead. You gotta read that when Jesus said that. Jesus, Jesus be saying some wild stuff. Jesus saying some wild stuff like Jesus be calling people vipers and I. Jesus wasn't always nice. But anyway. I'm getting off the subject. Consider the cost. Who does not consider the cost first? Lots of people. I have done that. I have started out to build something, and then the shit don't work. I'm like, oh, no. And everybody like, dang, what? I thought you were going to do it. I thought you were going to do this. I thought you were going to do that. I don't know how many things I've left unfinished, okay? That's why I'm back at school trying to finish, because I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not going to leave this unfinished. Cost me too much money, damn it. <laughs> right? And so I'm trying my hardest to, I'm considering the cost. I had to think about it. I was really tired because I was tired. Let me let me use, let me go, let me, before I get into Naomi, back into Naomi. I was really tired this year. You know, I was like, do I really want to go back to finish? Because I'm this close. I'm this close to finishing school. Lord, I'm, I'm almost, you know. I'm a year or two from 50. I know I look 25, but I'm a year or two from 50. <laughs> yes, let me brag on myself. Let me brag on, let me brag on myself. My goal is to start day. Tina knows, like, I want to be those. You know, I'll be talking about Miss Tina, but I love you to Miss Tina, okay? Uh, even though I'll be talking about her ass and her daughter, too. But I love her because I think she's so beautiful. But, like, a short day or Angela, you know what I'm saying? I want to be there. I feel like I'm, 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 I'm getting my goals. But, yeah, but I'm getting old. I'm getting up there. I'm like, God, do I really want to do these? You know, because I'm in school, I, be, I know I'm working to catch up because I be listening to some of these kids. They be talking crazy. They be like, what? <laughs> you know, I feel like a dinosaur sometimes. But I'm also learning from them, too. You know what I'm saying? So I have to consider the cost. Like, you know, what's this going to cost me? This means my, my butt got to get up early and got to do this, I got to be running around here, I got stuff to do, I got to be talking to them on the podcast, I got to be, you know, I had to consider the cause, baby, okay, and so that's why I'm saying, Naomi, she's a young baby, okay, and what happened is she didn't consider the cause for what beating Serena Williams and Venus Williams and beat winning, she didn't consider what the cause was, baby, you better sit down and talk to some folks. Because it costs to be number one. And that's why she's saying, I don't feel happy. She's trying to figure it out now. Unfortunately, she's got a lot of people on her back now because she's become a Naomi Osaka is not just an individual anymore, but she's a person carrying people. You know, I always look, when I go see my favorite uh, performers and singers, I always look at their band members and everything because I'm like, that, they carrying all them folks. Like, tonight. You know, if when I go see Maxwell and stuff, if Maxwell gets sick, shit, can't nobody get paid that night. You know what I'm saying? That's a heavy burden. 
You know, you, you, it's, it's hard to be the boss, right? It's hard. So, you know, I, this is what I don't think she considered the cost. And this is what I want to say to you young people. You can't, let me tell you something. That's why I say you'll be running out of here talking about, I'm inches, I got anxiety, when it's really you just didn't consider the cost. And now the anxiety has come upon you because you did not consider, you did not think, what does this mean? Sometimes it looks good. Fame looks great. You be looking. What's that? You what's that song? You know, and I never. I, I said I was gonna upload that song too. Maybe I'll try to find it on break. I don't know. But that song by Beyonce and Jay Z. It's the life you need. That Hollywood you wanna get it. Bum, bum, bum. That's a that little song they talk about. What do you do? And they kind of talking about the price in it. Like it's, it look all glamorous and stuff, but it's a lot of shit up in it between. You know, to be that. And a lot of you kids today, because cause fame today has become this thing. You know what I'm saying? People just want to be famous. Now, they don't want to do nothing. They ain't got nothing they want to do. They just want to be famous. <laughs> I mean, now you get on social media and just be famous for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Kardashian. But I'm just saying. But it costs them, too. People want to, you know, that's the thing now. But nobody considers. Sometimes you don't consider what it what it costs you. And I think this is what's happening to Naomi Osaka. And I think we're in a we're, we it looks fun, it looks glamorous, it looks this and that. But I'll tell you something: when you have that level of thing eyeballs on you and stuff like that, you better have something bigger to, bigger than yourself to put it back on. Because I don't believe humans were meant to play in the God game. But God allows, I believe God allows fame to humans or whatever, or position to humans because it's supposed to be, the glory is supposed to be put back on him. But if you don't know how to do that, you will end up falling under the weight of being a demagogue when you're not. You get what I'm saying? So um, that's what I feel like is happening to this young lady, and I think she's doing the right thing now. To step away, it's unfortunate though because she's going to cost a lot of people, because a lot of people have put a lot in her to her, and she's become the new face of tennis. And I don't think she understood what that meant. You know, Michael Jackson. Can we talk about Michael for a second? I got time to talk about Michael. You know, Michael's one of my favorite subjects. Michael Jackson, I'm, I'm often fascinated because Michael Jackson is the biggest star. There is no, there is nobody I've ever, I've never seen anything quite like Michael Jackson in this lifetime. I mean, you had to be in the '80s. It was a difference. It was a, it was something you had never. I don't think the videos do it justice. Okay. Uh. I often wonder, I mean, I remember they said, I remember hearing, reading in one of the biographies about Michael Jackson, and one of the things they said is that Michael kind of contemplated, like, being, like, after off, off, off the wall, he was like, I want I want to sell more records than I did with off the wall. Like, he considered, he knew his aim was to be the biggest star on the planet. 
But I wonder, and I always, and, and this is just my speculation, that when he got into it, I wonder, did he understood what that would cost him? Like, you just can't be one to be the biggest star to be the biggest star. Because there, I always feel like there has to be reason and purpose behind something. And I think Michael tried to use his purpose and stuff later on for something. But I think for a while it was cloudy for him. And, and, and nobody has ever, I mean, can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and your fans are sitting and sleeping outside your window and shit? Like, you're like, what the fuck? Like, I will trip out. Like, I look out the window and people down there like, like, hey, Carolina. <laughs> I mean, like, what they doing? Put the coat. Lord, send them some jeans out there. I'd be so, I'd be so tripped out. You know what I'm saying? But Michael Jackson lived with that almost every day of his life for maybe about 30 years. People sleeping out in front of his home. No, 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 no. Beyonce ain't near no did none of this, okay? Let me tell you something. They ain't nowhere near, okay? No. People used to sleep, eat, and drink, come from all around the world. Okay, to Michael Jackson's house, just to be like, man, you know, when Michael Jackson died, I went into, like, that, world, you know, the Michael Jackson fan world, and because a lot of people thought so, you know, y'all know the story, we had a show on here, we, we talked about, a lot of people thought Michael Jackson was still alive, serious, okay, it was interesting, and there was some interesting shit out here about, you know, I learned so much about Michael Jackson, but the the most intriguing thing for me about Michael Jackson was how much his fans, like, was like, they were for real, they like, they, they, they was in love with that man. It's, it's a different thing, kind of thing. I ain't, you know what I'm saying? And the energy surrounding it was like, you know, because the show at that time, we were doing these, like, we didn't really know how big that this was, it would get. You know what I'm saying? It, it was our, it's, to this day, it's my biggest show. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you know, the fans, they really literally, and I still have people who listen to this show because they are MJ fans. And they loved me putting out there that MJ thing during that time, you know. And and it was really, I just could not imagine. Like, I met people who would tell me they would sleep outside of his house. I'm serious. People from uh, all across the world who would come just to see his home or just come to see I I met a few people who met him, who knew him, who Joe, all these people. And it was wild. I mean, it was just a very interesting thing, a dynamic, and I said, how could this, how has a man, could he, it, could he deal with all that, and I see why a lot of the things happened in his life the way they did, because that's a hard burden to carry, you know what I'm saying, like playing the game of God, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's a, this is, when you, when you a little G, not a big G, but they, they making you a demigod guy in these streets, that's hard. And so I'm not surprised at all the things that happened with Michael. I mean, I was even listening to something about Prince this week from Sloan. She's a she's a kind of spiritualist and, a, a, you know, she does uh, readings about, you know, like kind of talking to, you know, you know, she, you know, she, what's this, the, you know, when they talk to the dead people, the psychic people talk to them, she's talking about Prince's energy and everything. And it was just interesting how, you know, what it's, it's not, 
it's you have to it's hard to think about it. You 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 won't get everything. You know what I'm saying? But at least considering the cost of what it's going to cost you to be something or to do something. You know what I'm saying? What is it going to cost you? That's important. You know, but getting back to Naomi Osaka, it was a it was a stunning moment, and it might take extra uh, weight in the coming months and years. If Osaka uh, never plays professional tennis again, this isn't the first time Osaka has announced that she needs to take a break from the sport. She was, after all, coming off an extended break that her with. that saw her withdraw from the French Open and skip Wimbledon. But this felt different. Sitting in a room, I wondered whether I had just listened to a retirement speech. Osaka was clearly hurting, but before she slipped out of sight, she was going to find the composure to tell the world something. She was not okay, and she wanted to admit that. I guess we're all dealing with some stuff, Osaka said, but I know I'm dealing with some stuff, okay? Uh, You know what? And I believe that, and I think that that she does need to sit out and before she got too much built up in her you you get what I'm saying because she understands it's a lot of weight to carry, and that's what I kind of want to say to you guys out here, whatever you're going to do in life, and this is me too, that's all of us, you know, like I often think to myself, I say, you know, Carlotta, okay, right now. It's cute. You know, we doing this little podcast at night. It's real cute. <laughs> and we do the podcast whenever we want to, and we have fun with it. You have fun with it. It's your little therapy. But what if <laughs> all of a sudden every people start doing it? It gets, it gets huge. <laughs> what, what's, what's the cost? What's the price that you going to You know, so you always have to consider the cost of something. What toll does it take? Because everything has a price. Everything comes with a sacrifice. And so you have to decide to yourself. I remember I was listening to Dave Chappelle on Inside the Actor Studio years ago, and he said that his father told him to think about what it's going to cost you so that you can know your price. Woo, I was like, yes, Dave, speak that wisdom. what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And so that's what I will say that's the lesson Naomi. I don't know if it's anxiety is more than the anxiety that came because sis didn't consider the cost, okay? And so, um, yeah, you got to consider the cost about whatever you do. And it's like it's, 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 a, it's wild, and especially in these times. It's getting harder for people to speak straight. You know what I'm saying? Anything they they get on you for everything. They ready to cancel you every ten minutes. Shit, I don't blame Naomi. Sometimes Naomi like shit. I just probably really just sit my ass at home. I done made enough money. <laughs> I just I'm done. I beat my idol. I'm finished. <laughs> or maybe she'll come back stronger. Okay. Whatever it is, good luck to her, okay? Anita Baker tells fans that they can stream her music after obtaining her master's. <laughs> mm. I love Anita Baker, okay? Just today I was listening to Ben So Long to the earlier today. That was my song. Woo! But let's read this article from Revolt TV News. It says, Anita Baker has given her fans 
the all clear to purchase stream her music after she tweeted that she uh she that her battle to obtain her masters is finally coming to an end. On Friday, September the 3rd, the Caught Up in the Rapture singer took to Twitter to reveal the great news. All My Children Are Coming Home, she wrote, along with a photo of five of her albums, catalog, Impossible Things Happen, every day, every single day. Grateful, gratefully, a fan retweeted her on, at, retweeted her and asked, are we in the clear? To which uh, Baker replied, yes, children, stream on. Okay, listen. I don't think y'all was streaming in the first place. I'm gonna tell y'all my theory in the first and next week. <laughs> a revolt previously requested, revolt previously reported. The legendary singer asked her fans not to stream or buy her music because she did not make any money from it. Miraculously, I have outlived all my artist contracts. The rhythm of love songs was treated back in March. They're no longer uh, own my name and likeness. And by law, 30-year-old masters are to be returned to me. Unfortunately, they're going to make me fight for it. I'm prepared to do that. Please don't. Advertise uh, by them. Okay, listen, uh, listen. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna just say Carlotta one on one theory, and this is probably as far from the theory as it could be all the way wrong. But I'm gonna throw my theory out there anyway. Nita, I don't believe they were streaming your music like that in the first place. I wonder what the deal. Because she said she got a new team, a different team, and everything. Was the deal in? The Because, see, I don't think she's going to retire after this either. I bet. I wonder what's the deal you're going to get your ass out here and sing, too, for these masters and, and everything. We need to generate sales. We need to generate something that gets the younger uh, people into you. Was the campaign a part of getting the masters, I wonder? <laughs> a great marketing scheme. Create a create a false flag campaign. Oh, they won't let me have my masters. You guys stop streaming now. I don't believe you young people was gonna stop streaming. I don't believe y'all probably was ever streaming. Anita's of a certain age has a certain crowd. Facts, facts. Okay, yes, yeah, some young people that like uh, older music and stuff like that. But I wonder if Anita had that strong of a presence anyway because before this. I mean, I would hear Anita on the radio here and there, but not like I have since this all in the clear is happening. It's almost like now it's like phew. she's gained more publicity from a campaign that was strange to me because she was asking kids whose attention span is out of a like a a net <laughs> a, a net slice. <laughs> Just stop streaming her music. When I know the kids, if they listening to Spotify, they ain't gonna stop saying, "Hey, Anita Baker, let me turn her off." They ain't gonna do that. There's gonna be a few, but they—I don't know if that's to her crew like that. And I said, what I said on my show is that no, if you want these kids in this generation to get out here and advocate for you, you gonna have to get out there and be speaking on radio shows and different things and letting the kids know, hey. I need y'all to stop, and let me tell y'all, you, you can't do just tweet, okay? That's just my personal opinion. I don't believe y'all was advocate. Now I don't believe y'all was streaming it. I, I don't really believe y'all was streaming it either like that. I think the idea was to put out a false narrative uh, that, that yes, they're trying to keep my masters. But that might have been part of the deal. Maybe this was a little deal. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is a tour coming, Anita? Another, you know how Sharon can't retire Remember Sheer, Sheer, Sheer retired about two times after the first retirement uh, thing. 
It was like a great ploy. Well, Anita's, uh, don't stream my songs, was probably a great ploy, too. I still say what I said, Anita Baker. You still need to get out here if you're serious. I bet that's the deal, though. I bet the deal in the deal, I wonder, do we see more Anita Baker coming up? Is Anita going to be really retired? Because part of that deal is you need to get your ass out here and start singing and promoting these songs so we can get so we, we can get some streams and we can get some stuff going so that, you know, or maybe so that when she even got her own music back, y'all would listen to it again. So she would make money. so much of this. I see so many marketing where it could have been a marketing plow, but I don't believe, but I don't believe Anita, y'all just advocated for Anita like that. I don't believe it. I'd like to see the numbers on it. And it's not because I don't believe people love Anita Baker. Definitely. It's just not 1987. Oh, shut up. I'm a realist out here, okay? I'm serious. In 1987, her crew in 87 would have done something like this. But y'all new school, y'all won't even advocate for people y'all like. I mean, quick, y'all, one minute y'all like somebody and the next minute y'all on to somebody else. This generation is not going to advocate for nobody like that unless it's, you know, the little kids, the beehive might. But y'all attention span is too much. It's not enough. So I don't believe this. I don't believe Anita Baker. I believe Anita Baker threw us out a false flag. <laughs> so that when she did get her master's back, when she probably knew she was going to get her back, then y'all start streaming. She said, so she probably said somebody, yeah, fans ask her, yeah. I don't know who the fan is. That's interesting. Said, you know, can we in the clear? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, every radio station's playing her. Everybody's, she's all on everybody's mind because she started a campaign that people start writing about, that probably really wasn't a campaign, but was a campaign to prepare her for getting her master so that when she got him, y'all can start streaming that shit like crazy. <laughs> Genius, ain't he, Anita? Genius! <laughs> I ain't saying that's what you did. I'm just saying, I just suspect. <laughs> and I suspect she'll be on tour. If it's COVID called now, coming in to her near you, she ain't retired. You ain't. Are you going to retire? Ain't you needed? You want them. You want them masters to still be selling. I can see you. I, I can see you still performing them songs. <laughs> if it ain't nothing but on some couple of night shows or something, you gonna be your your ass gonna be out here for a minute. I don't believe it. We'll see. Okay. And I love Anita Baker, but I you know I can snip bullshit. <laughs> Basquiat's free. Oh, Beehive. Okay, I'm not gonna check in the Ramada in this week. I'm, 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 I'm not gonna do it. But here, I am gonna talk about this. Okay, Basquiat's free is horrified by Beyonce and Jay Z's Tiffany campaign. It's according to page six. Okay, it says friends and collaborators of Jean Jean Michael Michael Basquiat says that they are horrified by the new Tiffany & Company ad campaign featuring Beyonce and Jay-Z posting alongside a painting by the late artist, okay? Alexis Atler, who lived with Basquiat between 1979 and 1980, told the Daily Beast Sunday, I seen the ad a couple of days ago, and I was horrified. The commercialization and commodification of John and his art at this point, it's really not what John was about, she said. Atler said, that the anti-capitalist artist who died 
at age 27 in 1988 would have wanted his art to be placed in museums so that it's accessible to the public. Unfortunately, the museums came to John's art late, so most of his art is in private hands and people don't get to see the art except for shows. While uh, while show it, uh, show it has a prop it, to an ad, she said, loan it out to a museum. In a time where there are very few black artists represented in Western museums, that was the goal, to get to a museum. In the campaign, uh, Beyonce sings words of enormous diamond or whatever. Okay. The gym encrusted promo features painting equals pie by Basiat. Now, let me just say something, too. These people, let me just say this. This might be some symbolism in this. I thought about this, too. This painting might have some symbolism between capitalism, because, you know, these, it's some, hey, y'all be saying the Illuminati and all these, I don't know what these, some of these people out here are trying to be saying. I, I have to think about that, what that artwork is. I'm going to look at, I'm going to look up some stuff this week and see, because, you know, like it may be some symbolism in then her wearing a fucking diamond that she, she was about to black, brag on, a blood, you know, a blood diamond, and him being this, uh, anti-capitalist, but I also said that Basquiat loved the fabulous people, too. He did, he did, he did, okay? So it's interesting. Maybe there is some dynamics and some uh, interesting um, symbolism in there that we not understanding. You know, I need some of the Illuminati folks to get on. Y'all know how y'all be decoding shit. Where's y'all on YouTube? I need some decode. I might, I need to look on YouTube and see if anybody has decoded the symbolism. Because there might be some symbolism in that. Because I thought about it. I was like, ooh, it was very, um, like, almost obnoxious to put a Basquiat in this in this art, in this thing with these two overhyped pop stars. And, you know, and, 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 uh, and this diamond, it just seems all off. It seems like it's, a, it's something that we're not seeing, like it's some symbolism to it. Now, what is it? I want to know, because I know y'all thinking about it. Y'all, y'all probably are. So, I mean, I, I you know, we, we got, I'm going to look this, look some stuff up, okay? And I'll talk about it next week and see if I see some YouTubers out there putting some idea of my, maybe behind the, what they think the symbolism is, okay? Uh, but it says, Stephen Thornton, who worked with Basquiat's assistant, does not think Tiffany would not have welcomed Basquiat when he was alive, okay? They wouldn't have let John Michael into Tiffany if he wanted to use a bathroom or if he went to buy an engagement ring and pulled a wad of cash out of his pocket. We couldn't get a cab, he told the Daily Beast. Jordan, who mixed the paint, uh, the paint for the artwork instead, insisted that Basquiat did not uh, intend the blue in the piece to resemble Tiffany's signature blue, as the company had suggested. He said Instagram. Uh, he said on Instagram the idea that this blue background, which I mixed and applied, was in my way, was in any way, was in any way related to Tiffany Blue. Is so observed, absorbed, observed that I that at first I chose not to comment. Okay, and you know it's absurd to put Beyonce and Jay Z in there, but I believe this this painting is saying something. I really do, and I think just like uh, somebody said to me this week, Lil Nas. Uh, 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 Lil Nas X. One, uh, one of my husband's friends was saying something about Lil Nas X. Watch him being pregnant. Talking about, what's he delivering? What's the world getting? Is he delivering something? I mean, no, because you know, 
y'all be saying the Illuminati. Some stuff I do believe these people be might might be in occultic settings or something. Is he delivering something? The world we getting ready to see something or something. It may not be just. I know it's crazy. It's conspiracy theories idea, but hey, I don't put in the past nobody, okay? He might, he might be delivering, we getting ready to see something horrible happen or something like that. Uh, uh, his delivery, his pregnancy might represent something, a symbolism for something. So I think looking at Beyonce and Jay-Z in this, and using them too, and this ad was very, they had to know what it was going to represent. But I think in some ways he, he does, he now is representing something that he had not wanted to represent. But he also was hanging around that crew too. So I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I think he was a little bit of a um, a dichotomy in itself. But it says, um, and was he, a, was he a Gemini? I think he, I'm not for sure. Let me look him up. Let me look his up. I know how I be looking up people. Let's see. When was his birthday? Okay, let's see if we can find his birthday. Uh, what was he? I think he was, I wanted to say he was a toy, but I wasn't sure. No, he's a Sagittarius. He's a Sagittarius. No, he's a Capricorn. He, or he's a Cusper. It looks like he's a Capricorn or a Sagittarius, right at the end. Same. Sagittarius are very free. Yeah. I think he's a Cusper Capricorn. Interesting. I have to look him up. It's interesting. Okay. Uh, it says, but, yeah, it says uh, Tiffany's executive vice president of products and communication went as far as to suggest that the Robin A. Shell blue in a painting was deliberately mixed to match the company's signature color. We don't have any literature that says he made the painting for Tiffany, Arnold told Yahoo, but we know a little bit about Basquiat. We know his family. <laughs> We did an exhibition of the, his artwork with Louis 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 Vuitton a few years back. We know he loved New York and that he loved luxury and he loved jewelry. Now that is, listen, I'm saying this and this is Basquiat's friends might want to say this now, but his ass was hanging out in them fabulous places and stuff like that. You know, there are some people who 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 you know they. They kind of anti-capitalist, anti-this, but they still are intrigued by the thing that they don't like, right? You know what I'm saying? And they're drawn to it, too. So I get that. I get that, okay? Uh, we uh, And he said, as you can see, there is a zero Tiffany blue in the campaign other than the painting. He said adding uh, artwork uh, will be permanently placed in Tiffany's flagship Fifth Avenue store. It's a way to moderate, uh, modernize Tiffany blue. <laughs> Uh, they said Basquiat wasn't the type of person or artist to approve of his pieces being used in a multiple uh, uh, in an ad for multi with uh, for multiple billionaires. Uncontextualized at that, said one detractor on Twitter. His art was all about pain and beauty in low places, so it comes across as tone deaf and flippant. Uh, flex on his legacy. Mm. Uh, I feel like this has a uh, meaning, and I kind of want to because I think that a lot of people would love to think of Basquiat as that, 
uh, I think Vasquez out was a little bit of both. I think he he was a guy who 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 may have had uh, some feelings about you know um, capitalism and and its ways, but he was also very attracted to it because he was also very attracted to the nightlife in New York. He when he gave paintings away, it was a lot of to some wealthy some wealthy benefactors. He hung around the it the who's who of you know in New York. And, you know, unfortunately he died of drugs, but listen, you know, he, he didn't have a lot of control over his own paintings and stuff like that. He, that's why I said it, it would be great. You know, wait a minute, listen here. One of you Haitian people, Haitian people with the Haitian background and stuff like that, y'all should put money behind black people, period. If I have the money, I do it. I mean, money like that. I got money, but if I have money like that, put money behind a documentary about Basquiat modern day so that people can understand him and all of his complexities. That would be great to see something like that. It doesn't have to be by, you know, a Haitian, but it could be by, you know, somebody who's good at doing those uh, documentaries is, um, and getting all the, the good and good info is Tyreek Nasheed or something like that. I love to see, like, the complexities of him. He was a very interesting uh, person. I think he was too complex to say, you know, he, what would he do nowadays, you know, because I think that him being accepted among this crowd, I think he also longed for acceptance. I think at one end he he may have, you know, felt did not like them, but at the uh, on the other end, he also wanted to be loved by them, right? So, I, you know, I, I think that his acceptance in the way it is today, he might feel a little different about the artwork. You know what I'm saying? So very interesting, okay? Very interesting what people are saying who are closest to him. Okay, so Texas abortion law could be destroyed by Supreme Court, Cassidy uh, says, okay? Uh, let's see here. Talk about that. Um, it says uh, Senator Bill Cassidy on Sunday said he expects the Supreme Court may well uh, swat away the Texas abortion law once it comes to them in appropriate in in an appropriate case. The U.S. Supreme Court, in a five to four vote, allowed Texas new abortion law to take effect last week. But in doing so, the court's majority did not specifically pass judgment on the merits of the law which set up unique and possibly unconstitutional enforcement mechanisms depending on the private citizens using the courts. I think the Supreme Court will swat it away once uh, once it comes to them in an appropriate manner, manner Cassidy, uh, Republican uh, Louisiana, said on ABC this week. It is terrible as people uh, say it. It is. It'll be destroyed by the Supreme Court, Cassidy said. If it is terrible, as people say it is, it will, it will be destroyed by the Supreme Court, Cassidy said. He added that the Supreme Court had rejected the challenge last week because those who brought the lawsuit didn't have standing to do so, meaning they didn't have a sufficient take, stake in the case to file a challenge to the law. Supporters of legal abortion, among other things, argued that the court's acceptance of the new law represented a de facto in to the rights guaranteed by the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, as well as an attack on personal privacy and a way of introducing an element of vigilante justice to the legal system. It just seems 
It just seems. I know that sounds ridiculous. Almost un-American President Joe Biden said Friday. Well, let me just stop this right here. Uh, abortion to me is... Uh, I feel several... I, it's such a complex, complex thing because there are times when women are raped or something like that. I can understand... Uh, 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 abortions and situations and stuff like that. Um, it is so tough because the person I always think about Margaret Sanger, the person who started Planned Parenthood. She was a liberal. She was very. She believed in race. Um, you know, she was very racist uh, allegedly in some of the thoughts that she had. And, and, and abortion over the years has targeted Black America in such a way that it's hurt Black America. So at some points I understand pro-life, but I also understand that it's a choice also, too, because I believe God is a God of choice. Do I think God wants you to kill your babies or kill people or anything? I know. I think that, no, but I believe God gives allows people their personal choices in life, and in the end you have to deal with whatever decision that you have made in your life. Uh, but I do find it fascinating that often liberals will side for uh, massive abortion laws, but they won't uh, 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 um, kind of side with women to help women financially and stuff when they have these pregnancies or unwanted pregnancies or help to uh, 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 women to uh, decide to keep their children. I mean, it's just... This is so complex to me, and there is so such complexity that I really don't have a solid opinion on it. I really got to be honest with y'all on this. Uh, but I understand that Texas cutting it off after a certain amount of time because, I mean, like, you know, listen, I mean, I think about, I personally think after eight weeks, that's too long. I mean, I'm thinking, like, you know, I mean, usually most, they've given 12 weeks or something, like three months or something, maybe even 12, 12 weeks. But when we start talking about four and five months and six, I mean, you almost got a full, you're starting to have your babies developing. I just, I think we can get sticky on time and stuff, okay? So, you know, um, this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the court. Uh, very interesting. And, you know, uh, Governor, uh, Governor Abbott has taken some pretty harsh, Things this week, his approval rating has plummeted. They, according to Newsweek, uh, believe uh, they said that 52% believe the state is on the wrong track. Now, this is interesting that uh, 52%. I don't know who Newsweek is polling, but every day people are moving to Texas. It's crazy. If you think the, te- it's the, the Texas is on the wrong track, who the hell are y'all moving to Texas? <laughs> what? They coming from California? All the liberal cities, all the liberal states. Everybody's running into Texas to get jobs and everything. Why? Because the liberal states have become too expensive, too highly taxed and everything, but they come in here to change our politics. <laughs> it's scary, and I told y'all they would that, that Texas is probably going to be blue in about four or five years, maybe a couple of years. Okay? It says Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott's approval rating has sunk to its lowest level since he took office, the majority of Texans believe in the southern state is on the wrong track. 
new polling conducted now. Newsweek is also a, kind of a liberal slant, and so who knows who they're polling. Uh, new polling conducted in August by Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin, Austin's a very liberal city, uh, found that just 41% of residents approve of Abbott's job performance. Meanwhile, half, 50%, said they disapprove of the Republican governor's leadership. The poll also has showed that a high a number of Texans believe the state is headed in the wrong direction. Only 35% of respondents said that the state was headed in the right direction, but more than half, 52%, said they believe Texas is on the wrong track. That is the highest negative response level since uh, the regular poll was launched in 2009. This is really an eye-opener for us, Jim Henson, executive director of the Texas Politics Project, told Austin, NBC News affiliate KXAN-TV. He said Abbott's approval rating has taken hit, hit due to the crisis that has hit the state in recent months. Uh, governance is tough, and he's the face of governance in the state right now. Texas currently leads uh, all U, uh, U.S. states with the highest average of new daily COVID-19 infection. Now, that's been back and forth. Some people say that's not true, okay? But um, despite the surge, Abbott has continued to oppose mask mandates. Back in May, the Republican governor issued an executive order banning mask mandates from being implemented. Now, it's interesting they did this um, study in Austin. I did, if they told the people of Austin, Austin has become very liberal the uh, last several years. So I would not be surprised if he's, his, low, his approval ratings are low in that particular part of the state, okay? Texas is still very red, but I do believe I can see Texas because of all the influx of people they have running from liberal states trying to relo relocate because they like – Texas, they like the politics of Texas, but yet they want to bring their body. Because the reason why you move, a lot of times the reason why people move is they don't realize it's because of bad politics. And they never ask themselves why they come to the city that they come to. And so what you have is a lot of people moving and bringing their bad politics with them. And that is why I can see Texas uh, taking a, a little bit of a hit and turning into a red I mean, t turn into a blue state eventually. I definitely can think think it's go it's going to happen. I would not be surprised. Okay, all right. So I got my. I think Pianchi's on the line. I'm gonna let him come in here. He's been on here probably for a minute here. What's up? How you doing? Man, ain't no telling what night we gonna find you. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to do it tonight. <laughs> trying to take one for y'all. <laughs> How you, you doing? You pop up. Early in the morning, late in the evening, <laughs> holidays. Yeah, I got my own little schedule. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as far as Texas, I think that those should, that should be left up to the states, Charlotta. Yeah. Let the states decide on that. You know, I'm against, I'm against these in many cases. For instance, like Sheila Jackson Lee, she's got a gun law, and it's inspired because she represents the third and maybe the fourth ward in Houston, Texas. Okay. Right. And those are high crime areas. I think George Floyd was in that area, the third ward. Well, Sheila, why are you wanting, and I can understand, you want to restrict the access to weapons 
because of what's going on in the third and fourth ward. But you want it to be nationally. Where I live, we don't have those problems. So why don't you get with the local, the local representatives and elected officials and do something pertaining to that powder keg that's in your district? <laughs> Good point. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but you know what? They don't like to put that that kind of light on their district because then the light would be back on them as to how they've been there so many years. People will start so they don't tend to they tend to do they tend to have smoke and mirrors a lot of democratic. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. They got a spotlight on them districts. Ain't nothing. I think even George Foreman came out of one of them districts, and he turns out to be a pre- You know, I really like George Foreman. I really do. He's a good a father, a good business person, and he's a good example of a person that uh, changed things around, and he done very well. Mm-hmm. And then again, you got some that just don't do right, like George Floyd. I mean, that's just nature of human beings. I'm sorry yeah, yeah, to yeah, so you know, different environments affect people in different ways. I think perhaps had he been in a different environment, maybe his life had come would have come out a different way. But yeah, I I think that you know I I, I can't see. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised though that she Sheila does. I mean, that, she's been there a long time. I mean, she's been in Congress. She does not want to lose. I mean, she's almost been there. I don't know if she's been there as long as. Uh, 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 What's her, what's I forget her name. I forget uh the California Ooh, Max, Maxine uh, Waters. Maxine's like eighty four. How long ain't Maxine's been there quite <laughs> and no and 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 kinda strays from her district too. I mean she'll shine the spotlight on it with not much here and there. Because I think that when people start to shine the lights on those districts, I mean, pay attention. People if people if people really ask questions, they wonder how long why they they're there still in Congress. <laughs> Sheila could retire and she still receives the same salary. Well, that's true. You're right. Well, now they become they become very much uh, a part. I mean, I always I ne- I was always for I've always been for term limits anyway because I think after so long, you do become corrupt in those uh, those places. So I think that you know for legislation purposes maybe three terms and that's it. <laughs> but I, I feel like because they, they are legislators, but other than that, I, I don't think they should be there, like, be able to run and run. I mean, I'm like, come on, are we serious here? If the president have, have term limits, let alone Congress and the Senate should also. Well, you know, another thing, too, a lot of the accountability needs to be put on the people that vote for these people. But that's true. Year no. after year after year. <laughs> My goodness, man. That's true. In St. Louis, Lacey Clay was there for 32 years. That's 16 elections. Yeah. And his son came in at about 18 elections. 18, uh, oh, wow. I'm sorry, 18 years. And, and, the, and there's no progress whatsoever in the schools nor the districts that they represent. Matter of fact, you used to have a division between St. Louis, North and South, and then they, uh, North got tore up so bad. And see, they play these games. You know, if a house becomes vacant, 
then mm-hmm. it gets tore up and everything. Then it's a sore that starts to spread. Then next house moves. Then the next piece. Then next thing you got a whole block that's vacant. <laughs> and that's what you looked at in North. Then guess what? They start making people move out of them houses. And I'm saying that uh, the city hall and their agencies and start moving them into South St. Louis where whites had resided. Well, hell, if you see somebody coming and you look over their shoulder where they come from and you see what it looked like, what are you going to do? You're going to run too. Yeah. And that's yeah, what well, you know, happened. gentrification, a lot of people don't understand that gentrification and stuff like that, it's a very controlled mechanism, and it's usually a controlled mechanism in, in by government officials and stuff like that. It happens heavily, especially in Democratic cities. I don't know why people haven't noticed it yet. <laughs> but, like, if you even in New York, I mean, when you look at New York, it, I mean, it has been uh, uh, heavily gentrified. I mean, uh, so I – it and I, I – I mean, you can you can see, I mean, but it's a lot of black people, we think that, you know, these certain officials like Democrats and stuff are for you, but sometimes they create the energy that moves them out of the neighborhoods and all kinds of things that are, makes them lose their homes, high yeah, taxes. Yeah, contractors and developers move yeah. in and start. And see, blacks are moving into these regentrified areas, too. That ain't just white. Yeah. And, you know, one, one other thing I was going to make mention of, and you know I'm an educational proponent, but I look at the you got more black females than males in college, okay? But yeah. the subjects that they seemingly to be taking just ain't producing the numbers. For instance, when you look at the number of black males as a whole compared to males as a whole, that's an engineer. Blacks make up point zero two seven percent. Yeah. Actually, they make up point zero one four percent. Females make up point zero zero three percent in engineering, and the same mm-hmm. goes for some of these other uh, high-paying fields. Now, if money makes a big determinant on the status of your family and heck you know you got to have money to even have a family nowadays well then how is it that they're going to be able to qualify for those type of arrangements if their children are not being educated and they're not being educated toward the hard subjects rather than the health fields the preschool and the early childhood education positions Things that pay thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars a year, even if they pay that much. That's true. That's a good point. That's a great. That's a good point. It's not a, and you know, there, there's just not a lot. Of, there are not a lot of uh, black males in those fields, and black females either. I think that uh, though, they, there's, I think that some programs are trying to target that now, but it's still a very hard uh, to get people to take on skill. Uh, <laughs> it's it's oh, hard to put. They, they don't put. They don't do it at the school level, Charlotte. They don't control those schools. They let the school board members control those schools, and which is okay if they are controlling the way you, the parent, the public wants them to be controlled. 
<laughs> but they don't get involved that way. I got an argument with a guy. I told him, federal government's not supposed to be telling your school district nothing. Oh, no. <clears throat> we want the federal government to be involved. Well, that's a dumb position to take. Well, yeah, it gets t- it's it's harder when when the fed. <laughs> but I don't think I think people don't understand. You know, uh, black people, especially if it's a black person. I'm not sure if it's a black person that said that to you, but black people the, the, have have taken a dependence on the federal government because of the help that the federal government gave. You know, during the segregation and de- desegregation and stuff like that. But it's it's, it's put us at a politically not understanding uh, how to move outside of it. So anytime we there's a problem, we like, Fed, the feds. <laughs> you I supposed mean, you know, to use it until you yeah. get done. It's just like those sponge mops. You use that sponge mop until you do what you're going to do with it. You get done, and then you throw it away. You don't continue right. to use it to get to the point where it doesn't do anything but makes matters worse. It starts smearing dirt and mud rather than clean it up so anyway right. that's my uh position on those things but it, you go ahead and finish your Thanks labor day <laughs> yes thank you <laughs> all right i'll talk Thanks to you later okay bye-bye. bye-bye bye-bye all right you guys when i get back we're going to talk about uh i'm going to talk about this uh comedian fukan johnson and two others dead from some suspected over drug overdose uh, we're going to also uh, talk about, um, what else I want to talk about you guys? Uh, uh, we talked about little Nas pushing the limit, uh, China's mod- uh, weather modification uh, uh, weather, weather modification program, and McDonald's being investigated by the SEC, Federal Trade Commission, <laughs> because their ice cream machines are always broken, which is the damn truth. <laughs> So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about Chicago newlyweds who decided to send people uh, an invoice when they didn't show up for their wedding. <laughs> we're going to talk about that and a little bit more. I'm going to try to end the show a little early tonight, but we're going to talk about that and more when I get back on the CC show. Meanwhile, here is, uh, what was I going to play for y'all? Is it up? Is it up? Oh, yeah, Maxwell something something. I'll be back in a moment. Okay, you guys? <laughs>
Stevie Wonder with that girl. I am back on the CC show. Oh my God, can you guys hear me? Let's see, are we hearing good? Okay. And we are talking uh, hot topics on Monday night <laughs> and on Labor Day. And you guys, Janet Jackson has a documentary on the way. I'm excited. Uh, it's going to be on Lifetime, Tim's documentary. You know, here's the thing, Janet, and I've said this before. You know, there's certain people that I don't want to give documentaries because I, 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 I mean, you're not going to be sharing with me some real tea about you and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I just I say this about both my faiths, Janet and Matt. I don't want to see a documentary if we're not going to be telling the truth, <laughs> especially Janet's fans, because Janet's ass will put out something and turn that away and, Oh, and then I my marriages and stuff like I need, I need to know. I need hot tea. I need to know about Bobby. I need to know all that. I need you to confirm all of that. <laughs> it's not going to give me no documentary, okay? But I'm excited about it because I know how I feel about Janet, okay? So I am excited about it. But, you know, I would never want one. I've said that from Maxwell because Maxwell is too quiet. He will not probably tell anything. Well, no, wait a minute. It might be interesting for him, from him because... He would give you something because, you know, you don't have anything from him. And he's like a mystery, right? He's like, you don't have, like, he's like, who's your mom? Like, who's your, you know, like, there's not a lot of things you know about him, which I think is pretty amazing in the age of celebrity to keep that much stuff secret. I mean, like, there's only a few things we know. We know a couple of girlfriends who, what, uh, the, 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 what's the girl, the white girl y'all was all mad at? That's my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> Y'all have a mess that was going on. <laughs> well, I forget the white model and Jalissa. <laughs> That's the only one y'all know. We know of. The two we know of. Was there anybody else? There's some other people out there. Oh, there's a couple of other people. There's a few other people in the MTV days. And stuff. What's the girl? Uh, what's the man's name? What's the Matthew McConaughey's wife? Yep. We got a few. You got to know a little bit. Yeah, but see, I don't want him to do a documentary. I, you know, because I don't want to hear a bunch of bullshit, so I'd be like, you know, then you do no documentary and tell me nothing. Okay, you know, so I feel that way about you and Jimmy, okay? I just, you know, I don't know if I want to document it. Okay? But, yeah, yeah, okay? I will watch it, though. And I heard that Rick James' documentary is good. It's on show coming on Showtime. I really got it's been It's on Showtime right now. I really want to watch it. I did I tell you all about it. Uh about a month or two ago about it, that it was coming, and it's out now, so I can't wait to see that, okay? But Federal Trade Commission investigates why McDonald's ice cream machine is always broken, reports says. This is according to www.tw.com. It says, Myrtle Beach, uh, it says, the Federal Trade Commission is investigating why the McDonald's ice cream machine is always broken, according to the report from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, WSA reports that the FTC sent letters to McDonald's franchises over the summer asking what's going on with the ice cream machine. The FTC declined to comment to Wall Street Journal. The report says the owners have complaints about how complicated the machines are and are fixing them when they when they break. It's hard. According to the report, the FTC wants to learn how suppliers and equipment are reviewed and whether are not restaurant owners are allowed to work on the machines in their own stores, according to Wall Street Journal. A 23-year-old ice cream fan fed up with broken ice cream machines managed to reverse engineer the McDonald's app to create a map 
of every broken stop server machine. <laughs> the map tracks the percentage of restaurants that currently have broken ice cream machines and uses red and green labels to identify stores currently serving up soft serve. Hilarious. <laughs>
And while other countries have also invested in cloud including the U.S., China is enthusiasm for the technology has created some alarm, particularly in neighboring India, where agriculture is heavily dependent on monsoon, which has already been disrupted and become less predictable as a result of climate change. Okay, so India and China recently faced off along their uh, shared and highly disputed border in the Himalaya with two sides engaging in the bloodiest clash in decades earlier this year. Okay, for years, some in India have speculated that the weather modification could potentially give China the edge in future conflicts. Well, of course it can, because those can, weather modifications can, uh, machines can be used for bio-warfare. See, this is why I'm trying to tell people, when they talk about climate change out here in these streets, when you say climate change, climate change, well, keep in mind that these motherfuckers have been shooting uh, iodine, iodine or whatever up in the clouds for decades and fucking with the weather and all kind of stuff. This is another nation's job. And you think they when you don't naturally men 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 shooting stuff up in the sky ain't got nothing that's hurting the atmosphere. They say it's safe, but is it? And you can probably start to use these things as bio warfare. I mean, just think what a snowstorm would do to people in the middle of war or or heavy rains or flooding and stuff like that. Uh, this is scary, scary shit. Man is getting too smart for his damn self, creating shit and messing with Mother Nature's job. I hear shooting at the class. I'm not talking about when they said Bill Gates, the company wanted to do that. This is getting scary. They're going to mess it up. You know, you're probably seeing more flooding and stuff like that because there's been more testing. With, this is my speculation. This is probably a lot of one-on-one. It's been more uh, playing games. These people out here playing games. With the weather. And she ain't cute. It's safe. Be careful out in these streets. It's nutty, okay? All right, so my last story of the night, okay? And then I'm going to go back into talking about something else. I have a couple of other stories I wanted to. Uh, no, it's not my last story, uh, but I got two more stories. Okay, comedian Fulcron Johnson, two other dead from suspected drug, suspected drug overdoses, according to USA Today, says, Sarah Comedian for Quan Johnson was among three people who died uh, of, uh, let me see, of suspected uh, overdose at Los Angeles Party Authority said Monday. Three people were declared dead at the scene in, at, in the Venus neighborhood earlier Saturday morning, and fourth was taken into a hospital in critical condition. LAPD officer Mike Lopez said the dead were Johnson, 43, of Los Angeles, Enrico Condoleez. 48 in Medford, Massachusetts, Nellie Williamson, 33 of Los Angeles, okay? The L.A. coroner's uh, office said, a preliminary, invest- a preliminary investigation found that the three died from an overdose, Lopez said. The coroner will determine and release the official cause of death after the autopsies are performed. Authorities would not identify the person hospitalized. Johnson had been popular, a popular regular for years in Southern California comedy clubs and wrote for the online show Comedy Parlor Live, Quarantine Edition. Fellow comedians were paying tribute to him on social media. Has a... Okay, you guys are having problems with the sound? Let's see. Okay, I'm going to try to... 
Let me see what. Let's see what we can do here. Okay. Um, I'm trying to check. I'm, I'm trying to get the sound right for you guys because I'm seeing you guys are having problems with the sound. Okay, hold on. All right. Uh, let's see. Can you guys hear? Okay, I'm going to go on a break real quick. No, I'm not going to go on a break. Let's see. Let me try to get this down. How about now? How's it sound now? Did you guys send me a text? All right. But it's saying that this fit. Uh, okay. It's saying this fellow comedian. Uh, you know, these people all died at the party doing drugs. I mean, and now they're saying that Michael K. Williams recently passed. Um, and, and people are suspected early. We don't know the reason, but, it, you know, because they found drug paraphernalia allegedly by him that it could be drug. Listen, I, I'm just going to say it again. Y'all better leave this stuff alone. Okay, trying to say, you mean, it sounds like somebody out here and get put some bad stuff out here in these streets. I mean, leave that stuff alone. Okay, I'm just telling you. I got my, do I got uh, my people up here with my, uh, my drugs are bad, son. What's some, I got a, uh, let me see if I got some FC Borns to play for y'all. Y'all know I like to play FC Borns for y'all. Let y'all know. Y'all better quit doing these. Let me see. Do I got him up? Let's see if I got FC Borns. That's the name. We got to play little FC Borns. Because y'all, they got that. This is one, three people at a party. Lord have mercy. It's no joke. And they say there's been a lot more cases lately of, of this. Do I got his up? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, I need to play this because I'm gonna let FC Boris tell y'all I need to get up off the drugs and cocaine and crack and all of that. Okay, listen, you gotta stop this out in these streets. Oh, you know. 
good song right there. I, they, I just play that every day. So y'all be out every week. So y'all can leave, whoever lives, leave the drugs alone. They, 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 they doing something else out here in these streets. And these people following out all over the place, okay? Listen, fentanyl and all that bullshit. Y'all believe that shit? I'm serious now. Come on, quit playing out in these streets. I don't know what they doing with these drugs. We don't know what they put and what else they put in this mess, okay? Leave them alone. I will play FC Bourne's. That's my, that's my son. That's, that's a great son. Can't you see with yourself with drugs or new? Let it, let's stop. Can't just say nothing. I know that's hard, but it's for real. No joke out in these streets, okay? Goodness, what is going on out here? Child, up here. Whew. Okay, three people at a party. Three. And one in the hospital. Overdose. And then this week, you know, I was watching Power 3, and on Power 3, Kanan, that's Kanan, they were showing back in the 80s, and Kanan did overdid, overdone the crap, and now they choose killing people out of the crack. Ooh, it was a good episode. And it's so funny, it's so fitting that this episode came out on Power 3 about overdoses and stuff, and all this stuff is happening. Man, y'all been leaving this shit alone, okay? People be trying to cut coffee, drug dealers out here and stuff. Ain't no sound what they putting in that stuff. Ain't no game today. Ain't no game. Shall I stop? All right. Chicago newlyweds post a $240 billion, uh, uh, $240 bill to no-show wedding guests. Sparks online debate, okay? This is according to uh, WWNBCNewYork.com. It says, should wedding guests have to pay if they fail to show up? The answer is yes, according to one Chicago couple. Deidre and Doug Simmons have garnered international attention after a social media post of an invoice they created for no-show wedding guests went viral, prompting both praise and criticism. Criticism. The newlyweds were recently married at Royalton Negro Negro Resort and Spa, and they had to pay for each seat beforehand. While 109 guests were invited, only 101 showed up. But after they after repeated RSVP, RSVPs, those eight guests didn't tell the Simmons that they weren't attending. The couple had already paid for the uh, resort roughly $120 per person for the unused seat. If those eight people uh, said Doug uh, said uh, if those if those eight people said Doug Deidre, we can't make it. We would have totally understood if they had said that. Uh, it would have been no problem, Doug Simmons said. So when the couple returned to the, to the neighborhood, they created the invoice for the cost of two seats and put it on social media where the photo took a life of its own. We never had any intention of sending it out. He said, it hurts more to show it, okay? Listen, here's the thing. You know, I understand this because especially after people are SVP and they don't show the fuck up and nobody likes that, I get it. But also, what if people start invoicing your asses back if y'all don't make it? Y'all ass getting divorced. So you know divorce is high up in these streets, okay? So in a few years, if people send invoices to your ass saying, you know what, we want our wedding gifts back. We want our damn time back. <laughs> we spent two hours, three hours at y'all wedding, and y'all only say Mary, hopefully they say Mary a long time, but y'all only say Mary a year and a half. Give us our time back. We, we invoicing y'all for y'all time. Y'all don't really want to play them games out in these streets, okay? <laughs> Marriages today do not want to play. Uh, you do not want to do that, okay? You just don't, all right? All right, you guys. There was something I was going to talk to you guys about before I went off of here today. It was something, uh, 
Oh my God, it was a, it was a story that had talked about earlier. We talked about Janet. It was something else I was supposed to talk to you. That was the last story in life, but it was something. Oh, dang it. I forgot. It was something I was going to go, go back on and talk to you guys about. James documentary. Okay, so next week, after I've seen this Rick James documentary, 
talking about it, y'all know Rick has Rick has Rick has life. And he was here in Pacific. <laughs> That's the kind of documentary I'm talking about up in these streets like a Rick James. <laughs> I hear I listen to that. I can't wait to hear it. I hear it's really good. I heard great things about the Rick James documentary. So our homework this week, y'all, is to watch the Rick James documentary. Okay? We're going to do that. Okay? got to watch the Rick James documentary. Right? I didn't talk about old Nick Cannon's baby mama. I forgot about her, the Abby Della Rosa girl with the two twins and how she all happy and stuff. I forgot, you know, listen. She don't say, she say anything right now. Okay? You know, I just, hey, I wish her for this. Okay? Let's leave out with, 
I like this song. It's by George Candy, Already Love, okay? I love the words. I love the lyrics, everything, okay? It is the CC show. I'm leaving a little early tonight. I know. I know. Okay? It's strange, but I got shit to do. Your heart that 